The Tumbling Saber Podcast is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts. Visit our base at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everybody welcome back to another episode of the tumbling saber podcast i'm kyle i'm murray i'm nathan welcome aboard nathan hi hi <laughs> hi hello <laughs> hello there hello there uh, I, I guess i guess that's the typical one right that's the, that's the layup how's it going everybody yeah. welcome back to the tumbling saber glad, glad to be with you again this week um again so obviously nathan's sitting in with us as rick has congratulations to rick this is our really our first chance Yay. to really say it out loud. Rick has joined the Jam Transmissions podcast as a full-time co-host. Couldn't be happier for Rick. Uh, I had a chance to uh, listen to their first episode together, him and Pete, and it was a great episode. One and three-quarter hours of good Star Wars chat. So if you're if you want to keep up with Rick and Pete, go subscribe to the Jam Transmissions pod. I know, like for me, like my podcast listing has bottomed out. I feel so bad because I just, you know, I like to keep up with my pals and uh, pick up the new podcast here here and there. And it's it's been so tough now that I'm home all the time. But uh, <laughs> I did squeeze it in last week. Uh, so I'm happy to say that, uh, you know, Rick has been a great pal to this podcast. And we will still hear from Rick, hopefully, in the future. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for Rick. So congrats, buddy. Indeed. Absolutely. So, um... Let's just get into it here. Uh, Marie, how you doing? And have you had any Star Wars stories to tell us? I'm great. Um, so I actually, I thought about it and I had a lot going on this week in Star Wars, related to Star Wars. Um, so I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I have a Google Doc that is a giant Canon multimedia timeline table. <laughs> Of course you do. <laughs> Where <laughs> I have the year the bit of media took place, the um, name, the synopsis that I wrote, my you know description of every. To, this is all the help with trivia, and then the authors or the writers, and um, I updated that, and I think it's now about a hundred and sixty pages long. <laughs> So, I mean, you must, do you use like some of the air quotes advanced features like putting flags and annotations in so that you can easily find things? No, I just, you can control find. Okay. Control, and I can find things that way. But it's all in, in um, timeline order. So it's like from the very earliest in the timeline to the most recent. So um, that that helps but sometimes i get confused about where things are because you know there are lots of different timelines out there <laughs> there's the delray timeline and then there's like you know other things so it gets a little confusing but for the most part um i keep up with it and it includes all the clone wars episodes and all the rebels episodes so it's a lot to wow. sift through and update especially now gonna... that it's like 160 pages you're going to have to front load that thing come January. 
uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I went ahead and added a few of the the High Republic books to it. Um, so I did that, and then I, which I was really excited about because I hadn't updated it in a very long time. It was it was lacking, um, and now I need to keep up with it because just in case Dragon Con happens, I don't know if it will, but if it does, I want to be prepared. And. Have you missed like the whole trivia competition thing? And during this pandemic, I guess that's all sort of not happening, right? Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard of any. Of course, so many places have been closed for the past several months. So nothing's really been going on. But every now and then I try to quiz myself and, and keep up to snuff with it. But um, yeah, it's 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 definitely a hunger that I need to feed. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so the, the exercise of filling this Google doc out, is that sort of your way of just when you like, sometimes when you commit something to paper, that's the thing that kind of locks it into your head. Is that what this is for you? Or is this just a, a, a different purpose? No, definitely. Um, and I'll like rewatch an episode of the Clone Wars and I'll read my synopsis before I watch it. And then as I watch it, I'll add in names and ship name, people names, ship names, species names, and other things in just to make sure that I remember all the nitty gritty details. So you got it down to a science. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I also, of course, read Bounty Hunters 3, Battle Tales 2, um, the Galaxy of Adventures chapter book, which came out a while back, but um, I finally finished that, and it was it was actually pretty good. It was really cute. Um, and then started Shadowfall today, and I'm like forty percent of the way through it already. What? Um, <laughs> Explain. How do you do this? <laughs> like, uh, let me just say, my Kindle's battery power is very very low right now. Um, cause I've been like every 30 minutes I'll read some is what I've trained myself to do today. Um, it never fast fails. Do you read? It, it never fails that Marie and Rick always make me feel inadequate <laughs> when it comes to keeping up with Star Wars. I'm not caught up on those comics you mentioned. I'm not, I haven't started the books. Granted, they haven't arrived yet, but I haven't started the books yet. <laughs> I don't own any of these things yet. <laughs> like, like Marie and Rick can read a book and a full length novel in the time it takes for a pizza to be delivered. It's insane. <laughs> it, I, it sure feels that way. Yeah, I don't know. I just and I was busy. Like I was reading another book, a non Star Wars book, and um, <laughs> I waited until I was finished with that one because I, I was loving it so much. It was book two of a series. So I was like, I'm going to finish this and then I'll read Shadowfall. And I started it today, and which a few days after it released. But like, I've been flying through it. So that's pretty good. So no spoilers. But the speed at which you're getting through Shadowfall, does that speak to how good it is? There are still a whole bunch of people names to oh, try yeah. to sort through. Okay. So you're still in that. So, yeah. I've heard about this book that the second half of the book really picks up. 
Yeah, so... That um, was, I found that true of the first one. I found the right. first one, the the first half was kind of, okay, are we gonna are we gonna start this? It felt like it felt like half the book was just the introduction to the characters, and then the second half is where the story happened. I mean, there's a lot of action happening right now, so mm-hmm. there is a lot of action, but it's it's a little. Tra- I'm highlighting it like crazy, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep track of everything. Wow, very cool. Yeah. I'm excited to read it if it'll ever get here. No. <laughs> That's that steamship is, is it's chugging. It's chugging, Nathan. Listen, you live on an island. It takes coronavirus a while to get here, but it also takes your books a while to get here. Well, yeah, just just be happy with that trade, okay? You you yeah, you're gonna wait from for Star Wars stuff to arrive, but you've also kicked coronavirus to the to the curb. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> You know, raise the Stanley Cup. You you won. You you did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, Marie, anything else Star Wars related? Um, I got in the mail Star Wars Adventures: The Trade Paperback Fight the Empire. So I'm really excited since I keep up with those through the trade paperbacks instead of the individual issues. Um, I'm excited to read that. And then the Star Wars Book of Lists, which is like the coolest looking book ever. And it's not as boring as it sounds. Um, it's like there's a double page. Uh, there's like a, you know, full page layout of a list. But each number in the list has a paragraph that goes with it. It's really descriptive and detailed about the thing in the list. And there are pictures and photographs and all kinds of cool stuff so it's actually a really well-rounded book and it's pretty big too so i'm excited about brushing up on my trivia using this book of lists (laughs) published by buzzfeed (laughs) (laughs) wasn't there a book wasn't there a book four or five years ago stats and figures or stats and graphs or something like that there was an infographic book yeah, I remember something like that coming there out. I can't remember what it was called. Force Awakens. Yeah. Oh, those books, I those type of reference it. books always kill me. Like, especially when they do it, like, Force Awakens is out, let's do an index book or a reference type book. Like, just, can you just wait till the trilogy's over? Please? <laughs> yeah. It, like, when the, when the Atlas came out, like, I, for some reason, I was irrationally angry. Like, I still remember it. That's how angry it was. I'm like, stop. Why would you do this now? Like, you know you're doing two more movies. Why don't you just wait? Well, it was the same thing with the Ultimate Visual Dictionary. That came yeah. out, like, after Last Jedi, I think. It's like, you've, yeah. you're almost done. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> like... What are you thinking? It's like everybody associated with The Last Jedi forgot that there was another movie to come. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. I mean, but those those reference books are so great. It's just, it's heartbreaking when you read something really cool in them and you just know in your heart that it's never going to be picked up on again. It's like a little hint of a story that just sounds so intriguing, but you know no one's going to ever write that story. (laughs) It's just going to be forgotten about. Is the Complete Locations book, the latest version, the one that shows that Qui-Gon's cloak is actually Yoda's blanket 
in his little Dagobah hut. That, that sounds from right. a certain point of view, too. Maybe that's where it's from. But I, I, I just, I, you know, just I'll, I'll get to this in a minute. But we were watching Return of the Jedi this week, and I'm like, oh, hey, everybody, that that blanket, just for your reference, is Qui Gon's cloak. And my, my family was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like they totally just thought I was making that up. I'm like, no, that's that's legitimately Qui Gon's cloak. I don't know how he got it because. Unless it was in his little escape pod as he left Kashyyyk. Like, he just travels with Qui-Gon's cloak like a blankie. He must have made a pit stop for it somewhere. Or on you know, as he's leaving Coruscant, he, I, I, how did he get it? I don't know. But I mean, I've, I've wondered that, you know, how did he get half the stuff that's... How did he get the house? You know, like, where was where was that? Like, did he, did he slap that together with mud himself? Like, he must have made trips off planet. Or at least had deliveries, or maybe oh, maybe Bale was airdropping supplies to him. That's <laughs> <laughs> possible. R R2 the whole time was Amazon stuff to him. Yeah. R2 knew where Drone he was. Deli- or, I mean, Drone delivery. R two does know where Dagobah is. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Oh boy. Um Maria, I'm afraid to ask, but like do you is there more to this uh, to your week in Star Wars? Well, I was at Target yesterday, <laughs> and <laughs> they um, they had a giant The Child plush. Nice. So, of course, I had to get it. <laughs> um, it's so – the ears are – I mean, there is, he's probably like two and a half feet wide at his ears. Whoa. Um, he's huge. And uh, then I got this, like, combo – throw slash neck pillow slash eye mask that is a deep blue with TIE Fighters, the Death Star, and the Millennium Falcon on it. Beautiful. So I was pretty stoked about those purchases. Of course, it was all in the kids section, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) it's all good. Do you mean to tell me that Star Wars is for kids? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Cool. That's a, that's a big busy week. Yeah, I didn't even realize it till I started thinking about it. <laughs> it's funny like they they just they just worm their way in every single way that they can find a way in. They do it and they just take a little bit from us every day, a little little more, a little more. Yep. <laughs> How about you Nathan? Uh, How how's your week in Star Wars been? Uh pretty pretty light actually, surprisingly. I uh I rewatched that last episode of Disney Gallery again this week. Uh, that was last night, actually. I think. Um, really good. Uh, I bought my my Star Wars com my Star Wars comics this week. I haven't read them yet, but I, I did buy them. Uh, what was it? Bounty Hunter and uh, Star Wars Adventure: The Clone Wars. Um, well, I I did get it in my head. I think it was Wednesday. I was at work and I got it in my head that I was going to watch The Rise of Skywalker. Uh oh. So I got home from work that night and I got a bag of chips and a, and a glass <laughs> of Coke and I sat down. Wait, and hold I on. Watched Atta- I watched Attack of the Clones. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> That's wonderful. Were they all dressed chips or ketchup chips? Because you are Canadian and you were bound by federal law to make it one or the other. Uh,. You know what? I think I, I think I had it was plain lays with onion dip. 
Okay. I think that's what it was. The, 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 dip, think... the dip gets you off the hook. Exactly. Philly, Philly onion dip, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you were, so, if you, if you would come, come with plain lays, I, I, I'm just shrugging. I, ah, come on. <laughs> no, no, gotta be with the dip. Gotta have the dip. Yeah. <laughs> you passed on Rise of Skywalker and went to Attack of the Clones. I just, the, I just, I'm repelled <laughs> from the movie. It's like even when I try, I can't watch it. It's like reverse magnetism. I just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Here's here's how I'll know. Here's the way. Here's this is it. I will know that you've given up entirely and forever when you tell me that you have turned your disc of Rise of Skywalker into a beer coaster. That's how I'll know. <laughs> no, that's a collectible, Kyle. It's the only reason I. It's the only reason I own it. <laughs> I would oh, just man. wait, watch it at Disney Plus. Well, that, that's it. You've always got that backup, but so you can, but that that there you go. Like that, there's there's all you need is just one of the discs. Like if you have the 4K and you know you're not going to get a 4K, use that one. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I got the steel case from Best Buy because I needed that to finish out the collection. Ah. Uh, and I watched I watched the the bonus features, and that's that's all I've done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at so, least the at least you know at least you got in Attack of the Clones, the longest I'm of the Star Wars you, films. I've tried, Kyle. <laughs> oh, I know. Tried. We we've talked about it. <laughs> I have to say though, uh, this is strange because we always record Luminous Beings in the morning, so I'm always drinking tea. Now I'm drinking bourbon. So, oh, <laughs> so at least you're filling Corey's role. <laughs> That's what I figured. I figured I couldn't come empty-handed. <laughs> I miss bourbon. I haven't had bourbon in a long time. Yeah, I, I was feeling it tonight. Good call. Good call. Yeah, that's uh, but that's I think that's been Star Wars this week. Uh, again, I'm waiting for Queen's Peril and Shadowfall to show up. So hopefully that will show up soon, and I can get those started. But uh, Which, I might, where, I, where are you going to go first? Uh I think Queen's Peril because I I just a few weeks ago reread uh, Queen's Shadow, so I feel like I should go straight into that one. Cool. But honestly, I've got some Audible credits sitting there, so if if it doesn't show up Monday, I'm probably just gonna <laughs> save them. Get save them. There's, yeah, I know. There's so much coming. But I'm I'm excited. I really really did enjoy Queen's Shadow, and uh, I mean. We've talked about Ahsoka, the Ahsoka novel, and it left me kind of uh, unhappy. Not unhappy, but unsatisfied. So I was pleasantly surprised when Queen Shadow came out, and I and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm hoping that uh, uh, Johnson can pull out another one. Well, we're gonna. Marie, we'll... you didn't you didn't mention that one. Uh, oh, you were going to talk about it later. Yeah, right? we're we're going to press Marie on that one later. Yeah, I finished that one like a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, anything else on your on your end, Nathan? I don't think so. I think that was it. Cool, cool, man. I, I still that's still a, a decent week. There was Star Wars in it, indeed, and I did spend money on Star Wars. So, and that's the key. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's really the key. You gotta we gotta keep the mothership afloat. That's right. Otherwise, Star Wars dies. Or you know, and if you, depending on who you ask, it's already dead. <laughs> um, all right. So, like I said, I, I was watching um, Return of the Jedi again this past week, and something I saw something. And this is what we we live in the age of big screens, high def. I saw something this time that I I will never be able to unsee again. So, um, geez, I can't, I, I, it's, it's, it's going to get in your head too, unless you've already noticed, but that scene where Vader enters the Emperor's throne room to say that, oh, the, the rebels have penetrated the shield, landed on Endor, the platform where Sheev's throne is, that whole upper level is covered in that super cheap, really thin carpeting that you see everywhere. Like, it's just the crappiest like like rec room carpeting yeah yeah basically like of all and i I can't unsee it like now i see like the rolls and where the carpet's kind of bumped up a bit and i can't unsee it now and you won't either if anybody who watches return of the jedi now you will notice the the texture the bumps in the rug and you will go that's where you skimped out sheev is it just that scene no, not, you'll see it like when, when there's a there's a shot from up above, even when Luke and Vader are fighting. Really? And you see that that, cause I, you know, I was assumed everything was just sort of like a gleaming steel surface. Oh, Kyle, I've got an out for you. I've got an out. It's going <laughs> to fix it for you. All right. OK, you to be fair. The Death Star was still under construction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, they were waiting for the actual flooring to come in. Yeah, they were waiting. There were painters that still had to come in. I mean, it, it wasn't going to stay that gray color. He was going to import some Naboo marble for his floor. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean that 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 entire throne room was supposed to be red, like his Coruscant office. Okay, I can I, I can go with that. So the carpet was go. temporary. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I saw that and I was like, you know what? Just like it, it, the same. It's I got the same feeling now as whenever I watch the scene from Empire when they're in the Exegorth belly. And you see, like, the garbage bags and the tarps on the floor. What? Oh, yeah. Pop in episode five next time and watch that scene. And just look, like, in, where, where you see all the smoke and the fog on the floor. Make sure you're looking on a, either on a high-res screen or a big screen. And you'll see, like, it's garbage bags on the floor. You'll never unsee it again. Yes. My, these, my movies, oh. these movies were never meant to be seen in 4K. No. <laughs> And I, or I, mean, I guess like any movie, it's who would have thought that these movies would have been watched hundreds of times by people over oh, the yeah. years. And so like, yeah. but now when those scenes come on, it, my eyes just go right to it and I can't look away. Like I'm just yeah. staring at the tarps. And I'm like, look at that. Who looked at this on screen? Like when they were editing this movie and went, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, you remember a couple of years ago when the Pablo pointed out, uh, Pablo Hidalgo pointed out the, uh, camera logo on the bottom of luke's lightsaber mm-hmm. in the uh in the wampa cave yeah <laughs> i mean yeah, it says new york on the you, bottom it, yeah if you look hard yeah new york galaxy far far away if you look hard enough in these movies you're there's gonna be tons of that stuff because yep. like you said they expected people to see these move this movie once and honestly not pay that much attention to it yeah, no, who would have thought of 1080p? Like in 1980, nobody would have. Who was th- sitting there going, man, I can't wait 40 years from now. We're going to have these crystal clear panels. Like y- you had VHS at best. <laughs> it was it was crap. Never noticed that back then. 
But anyway, yeah. here we are. Um, but it doesn't. The fun doesn't stop there. Like the things that I can't unsee, it followed me into Phantom Menace because we watched that again this week as well. And like the the final sequence on Naboo, it just makes me laugh. So, and I think they did similar tricks in in A New Hope, but using a small group of people and then literally copy pasting those people. Oh yeah, in the crowd. <laughs> and it was the first time I really noticed it, and my kids noticed it too. And I was like, wait, look, look at the crowd. And I just had to like lead them there, and they're like, oh. The same person and the same person and the same person. Like every four yeah. or five people, the same face would pop up and they just like tweak the perspective on those people. And it's like, oh, my God, I never noticed that. But they literally took a group of five people and then just literally copy and pasted them. Well, it's not Q-tips, Carl. <laughs> not Q-tips this time around, but. And then uh... this is, they did the same thing with the Wookiees in Revenge of the Sith, you know, and once you once you know it, it's hard to not see that. Yeah, they had to like, like 10, 12 guys in Wookiee suits and then just yeah. copy pasted them everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and then like during the final shots on the steps, there's a shot. And uh, I think Anakin's in the foreground in, in his with his little brush cut and his Jedi robe. But there's a <laughs> I think there's a shot of a girl and she's in an orangish gown dress type thing. And she's standing behind Anakin. And then a couple shots later, the exact same girl in the exact same dress is up way up high on a balcony throwing flowers down. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. I, I, I might be ruining Star Wars for a bunch of people here. Like this movie with endless budget and they keep reusing the same people in different shots. <laughs> Listen, people don't need to come. People don't need to come to us to have Star Wars room. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, that was so funny. And again, it's one of those things. I When it happens, it's just like when you see the uh, when they're getting the delegation of Jedi council members are getting off that Republic ship for the parade and it's not Mace Windu or it's it's not Sam Jackson. Oh, yeah. They, they, they got the double. <laughs> he, he actually he looks more like Ahmed Best than Sam Jackson, but it's it's neither actor. It's somebody else. But it's like, oh, God. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, sorry. The big <laughs> the big thing for me this week, buying episode one racer. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, oh. it must be nice having a PlayStation. It was <laughs> so fun. And you know, I, I, I was going into this not quite knowing what to expect. Uh, I didn't, like, I, in my head, this game was getting a full remaster. And I, I was going to be basically <laughs> buying... An upgraded version of this '90s game, for, you know, for for my PlayStation, but paying like a you know eighty dollar price tag, whatever it is, for a new oh, game. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. I don't look. I don't look <laughs> into the details. I just saw Episode One Racers coming. <laughs> so I, I get on. It came out the twenty third. I go online onto the PlayStation Store, and there it is. And I see the price tag at twenty bucks, and like. It was one of those moments where, like, you go flush and you're like, oh, my God, what? What? It's $20? Is that a mistake? <laughs> and, like, I in the past, recent past, I've been on the verge of buying N64 more than once just so I could play this game. And, like, GoldenEye or Ocarina of Time and Rogue Squadron. And I still yes. might do that. But those are some of my favorite games ever. Ever. Mm. And I'm, like, Episode 1 Racer is in that list. But for twenty bucks, I can't. I could. That's twenty dollars so well spent to me, and I, I am bummed. And a lot of people have voiced that they're bummed that the graphics are are 
they're not any better than they were 20 years ago. And yeah, that's that's kind of a bummer. But for me, it was worth it just to play those races again. And and for my kids who don't care either way, like it's so worth it. It was if it, it would have been worth it at forty dollars just for the way that I can give them this game to play, very innocent game, and just let them yeah. race as long as I need them to. For as long as I yeah. need quiet, go hit the boon to Eve and just do that one race over and over. If I told them that was the game, they'd be happy. And that's what yeah. they've done. They have just, they've expanded out to other races, but they've done that Tatooine race so many times. Yeah. Oh, I spent hours playing that on the old N64. Oh, so it, good. So hard though. It was, it was a really difficult game once you started getting oh, up there. Oh yeah. It was tough. Yeah. Like I haven't, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to throwing my remote at the, at the TV. <laughs> yeah. We've been doing pretty good on Xbox. Like uh, on Xbox, we've got the two original Battlefront games, uh, I think uh, Starfighter, uh, Jedi Starfighter, um, Jedi Knight 2, I think. Jedi, is it Jedi Academy, Jedi Knight 2, whatever it is. Uh, and, and both the Coder games. So. And I think those coder games, I don't know about anything else, but I'm pretty sure those coder games are exclusive to uh, to Xbox. I, I think don't so. think you can get those on, on PlayStation. No, no that's not so. available. But we can't get Pod Racer, so I guess, you know. <laughs> well, if you have a Nintendo Switch, you can you can get it there. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have an N64, you can still play it there. I do. That, my N64 that... is all hooked up to my TV right now. There you go. As far as far as I know, my my brother still has her old N sixty four, and I I bet he still has that old Pod Racer game. I I'll have to get him to dig that out. Absolutely, it's it's, uh, it's, it's totally worth it, man. Like the I, it's I, so fun. It's so fun. I had such a great time playing it, and this is the kicker. Like this, so I get on. I I, I bought it late at night once the kids were asleep, so I could surprise them with it the next day. So I, pl- I tool around with the game for about half an hour. It's about 11 o'clock at night. And I'm just grinning. I'm like, yeah, just zipping around Boon to Eve. Just <laughs> just having fun again. <laughs> so you know, I get my fill. I go off to bed. The next day I show the kids and they're so happy. So I'm like, okay, I leave them to it. I go cut the grass. And I come back later just to have another round myself. And the lap record that I set is beaten by my son. <laughs> his initials my daughter's there helping him put his initials in he's bumped me down the list <laughs> this is my he six has, year old he's beat he my lap Jedi time reflexes. <laughs> I, I was I, I couldn't believe it like if you had told me that he was going to beat my lap time in one day like I'm, this is like an hour later <laughs> my, my, I see my lap it wasn't like super impressive it was like a 55 second lap he beat it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, kid, it's on. And so I got the remote later and I just stayed there until I buried his record. And he was so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got, a, I got a little rivalry with my six year old. Like he's, this doesn't, this doesn't sound healthy to me. Kyle. <laughs> oh, he's, he's going to pay. Like he's going to have many, many years where he grows up and beats down the old man. I, this is my time. Damn it. This is, I, 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 I still have to show him that this is my house. This is my PlayStation, my game, my initials go at the top. <laughs> I get, I get, even, I mean, even though the rest of us know none of that is true. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but the you know the way that he picked it up so quick, and you know I didn't like every button does something pretty much. But all I said showed him was accelerate, and he's like, "Got it," <laughs> and I just let him go. Uh, accelerate, and he figured out boost on his own. And of course, every he's like, "Boost, go faster!" <laughs> oh. It's so fun. It's still so fun to play with him. Um, yes, yeah, so again, like he's at it for no more than half an hour, and he, he's already got me beat. Like it's crazy. But anyway, that was the big thing for me this week, just playing that and having a absolute blast with it um but as far as quick question about yeah. it is it still have that the screen where you're choosing your your um pod racer and it's that alien going yeah it's that i thought that was wado's voice i think it's wado's voice it's the funniest thing ever when he's like Huh. And you're like, what is happening? I love that part so much. I'll just leave it playing over and over because it's so ridiculous. Oh yeah, like I'm sure that's I I wouldn't wouldn't even be surprised if that was Andy Sacombe as as um as Watto. It's it sounds so much like him. I I love that so much. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. But I, I'm actually you know for twenty bucks I I cannot complain one bit. Um, as and as far as comics go, like I said, I've got I have nothing yet. But Nathan Marie, it's happening this week. It's happening. I'm oh Kyle, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna so happy for you. I'm wiping a tear away. I'm so excited. I'm doing a curbside pickup of my stack for the first time since since March twentieth. It's a beautiful that's thing. Awesome. I I it's it's stupid to be this excited to pick up comics. No, it's not. <laughs> okay that's I all the validation i need oh i was it was like christmas for me like i was i couldn't sleep the night before <laughs> like i'm my giddy shop was I'm, reopened. I'm giddy looking forward to thursday to go over there and, and pick up my stack and then i'm gonna have to wait another month to pick up my next one because he's, he only does it once a month so i'm gonna have to shoehorn myself in there grab my stash and then go but i'll finally get those clone wars adventure books from idw which i've been dying to to read um uh, bounty hunter two and three i think i'll be getting um and then non-star wars i think i'll be getting a couple of those 80th anniversary issues from dc i think i, I yeah i think i got the the catwoman jim lee variant and the neil adams green lantern variant from the 70s nice, so nice. i'm looking forward to those big time cool. and that's basically been my week in star wars but we we've been watching so much Star Wars via Disney Plus in in the last month. It's so cool, man. Uh, and well, this is definitely not Star Wars related, but we watched Red Tails, which I had never watched before, and mm. I don't know why that movie got so beat up. Like it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I remember watching it, and it, and I think I rewatched it. A couple of years ago and it i wouldn't say it's anything extraordinary but i don't understand you know why it was panned the way it was yeah i i don't get it like it's like i said it's not extraordinary and it's funny to listen to like watch it and hear all this like the star wars sound effects yeah especially yeah. with like ben burt edited the movie mm -hmm. and it's a lucasfilm movie and like when that logo card comes up my son was like this i didn't pick star wars i'm like <laughs> 
don't worry, buddy. Like this, it they the, Lucasfilm made the movie. Don't worry about it. And so yeah, but it, it's cool to it, I get distracted when I hear like Revenge of the Sith's like space battle effects weaved into the movie. Like it's, it takes me out of it a bit, but the movie itself is fine. And, and it's, it's com- a really compelling story. I, I don't get it. Anyway. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. Good weeks in Star Wars, everybody. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I wanted to ask this really quick. It's about Celebration being canceled, which which stinks, but it's the only oh. way to go. Um, it's a bit of a loaded question. Marie, do you think that Lucasfilm is kind of relieved that celebrations cancel that way they get they can really pick and choose what what news they come out with like specifically they don't have to talk about their future movie plans right now do you think they're relieved about that honestly with the way things have been going i'd say yes i i tend to agree what about what about you nathan uh about the movie plans, yes, but I think I think they they want to get some of the TV news out there. I think they were kind of counting on that. I don't. I, I honestly don't think we would have gotten that much movie news. Um, I mean, we just got the the uh, YTT announcement a couple months ago. I mean, they easily could have, you know, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't Lucasfilm that officially reported that. That was uh, was it Variety. Yeah, variety or yeah, but I mean the way those things work is that was probably a a Lucasfilm leak. <laughs> that seems to be uh, the word I've heard. Is that that seems likely that that was let out. But I mean, you know, I mean that they could have saved that for celebration. Um, but it seems to me that you know we're getting to the edge of when they need to start making these TV announcements. So I think, I think now they're kind of trying to figure out where they're going to, where and when they're going to drop those. Yeah. Like they can Uh, still do their own virtual thing. Yeah. And the fact that we haven't heard anything about that is strange. Yeah. Like maybe it's not going to happen, but like that news will come to light. Like when they want to release a trailer, they'll release a trailer. Sure. They won't have like the focused weekend to do it. At least, that's not in that's not officially the plan yet um but maria as as far as like here's the thing like the ryan johnson thing that's i think that's the one that whether you love what he did or hate what he did you want to know yeah and i think we were all kind of looking to this event for them to say something whether that's realistic or not i don't know but maria what do you think like what do you think they were relieved to not have to tackle this now if if they choose not to (sighs) the i feel like all the the movie news is so scattershot that it's like the random announcements keep being revealed and so it it just doesn't seem cohesive so I don't know. I don't feel like they really have a clear. I mean, they probably have a clearer plan than I think they do. But I don't know. I'm in the same place as you. Like, I think they have some ideas, but I th- I don't think they're in any way ready to present that plan to the public yet. Right. And I think right. they're I think they're terrified of of 
saying anything about Ryan Johnson one way or the other because you're, they're whether they stick with him, they're going to make people mad. If they dump him, they're going to make people mad. And I, oh, I think they just like don't want to talk about <laughs> even more angry if they dump him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the Johnson movies and the Feige movies are the only movies that we have of officially going forward. Um, you know, officially from Lucasfilm Disney. Um, the, the, even this YTT movie hasn't been confirmed um, by the companies. You know, no official announcement. Right? Or ha- was there? I thought it was official. Was it official? Or am I am I losing my mind? Because it surprised me. I was like, I'm because I'm a staunch like. I don't oh yeah, it you're right. He says something. Yeah, it was and... official, wasn't it? I think so, because I was just like, "What? Another movie? Like, oh, how many this, are you this just add? Show, this just shows what a mess this all is." <laughs> okay, so there is the YTT movie, which is possibly the Kevin Feige movie, but then we also have the Ryan Johnson. So it's, I mean, this is all over the place. I mean, that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does don't feel like it. To I'm me, this is the problem. Whatever. Yeah, to me, this is the problem with announcing people instead of the projects. Yeah. I would rather they hold off and and announce the movie. And th- if you have the director to attach to it, great. But I don't want, like, don't announce Ryan Johnson's going to make movies and, you know, leave it at that. <laughs> Because it's it's still so nebulous at that point, and it can go away so easily. I mean, we saw that with the with the uh, uh, Game of Thrones douchebags, you know. <laughs> I mean, the same, you know, that's what. But then, well, so a, a change. In, I would in, rather a change at that level is more likely than not when it comes to Star Wars now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm almost afraid that Taika Waititi won't get his movie <laughs> after all. Which, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, th- that's one of those things where I wonder at this point, like, how are they making these announcements after everything and after the reputation that they've they've created for themselves? At this point, how are they announcing things if they're not a lot further along than we realize, you know? Yeah. Like, how far along is this Waititi movie if they're announcing it now? Are they still playing that game where they're going to risk another PR disaster if they have to part ways oh, or create differences or whatever? You know, like, or is this like something that, no, this is the 2022 movie, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so it seems like we're in <laughs> some level of agreement that, yeah, it, they're probably relieved to some degree that, uh, they don't have to talk about future movie plans if they choose not to. And there's a valid reason because, hey, no celebration. We we need a proper venue to discuss that. Yeah. Yeah. Really unfortunate that they're not going to announce that uh, George Lucas directed Episode 8 remake. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? Coronavirus, <sighs> right? That's it. <laughs> All right, um, let's jump ahead here into the week's news. Um, EA, according to their CEO, Andrew Wilson, they are going to double down on the Star Wars property. So he had a fireside chat 
webinar thingy with investors last week, and he said, quote, we're going to double down on that partnership. Disney continues to be very, very committed to the IP and to the canon. We've got new generations of fans coming into the IP all the time. So our expectation is we think there continues to be a really strong opportunity in an, in and around that relationship and that IP going forward. <laughs> End quote. Like, chock full of gobbled, gobbledygook. <laughs> and all it says to me is that we're going to get more Star Wars games from EA. That's not saying a lot. But Nathan, you're way more entrenched in video games than than I am. And definitely Marie. We'll get you to you, Marie. Yeah. <laughs> well, the... Translate this for us. Well, I think this means is that they're going to cancel twice as many Star Wars games as they have in the past seven years. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. I mean, like, I don't, what is he talking about? I mean, we have one announced upcoming Star Wars game and that Squadrons that comes out in October. Like, so, okay, so what's after this? If if we've got twice as many games coming or whatever. <laughs> two. Or, two games. Yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> Okay, but when? You know, if you haven't announced them yet, is it going to be like three years before we see one come out? Like, uh, this means this means nothing to me without an announcement. <laughs> yeah, like I'm. It's real. I think a lot of people were kind of disappointed. Like, yeah, you've got squadrons coming out in, in a couple of months, but really, like when you say double down, two times doubling down on one is two. Like. It, yeah saying double down is impressive but when the bar is at one game every two years eh, yeah it's not that impressive if if i was going to be optimistic about it i would say that you know uh fallen order showed them that there's a uh that there is still like a desire from fans and gamers for um quality star wars games that aren't um basically just a reskin of one of your first person shooters. Um, you know, I mean, if that's what he's saying, you know, because we know that they were surprised by the success of fallen order. Um, so yeah, I mean, if that's what it means that they're reevaluating their approach and saying, okay, well maybe, maybe it is more viable for us to try these different genres of game. Um, and you know, use the star Wars license for, for all it's worth. Yeah, I mean great. But again, I mean this is this is so vague and utter nonsense. Like it mean <laughs> it means nothing. This guy like this guy spoke for how many sentences is this? Like six sentences and he said nothing? Like okay. A nothing burger. Good job. Yeah, good job. Yeah, really <laughs> really boil it's that's the kind of thing investors love to hear, but really it, it, it's empty. Because there's yeah. nothing concrete. It's just a, some kind of vague promise to do more Star Wars games. Well, and this is the other thing is that, you know, without announcements, without seeing anything. I mean, I mean, they canceled games that we saw footage of, you know. So it, it's like, uh, you know, OK, you're going to work on something, but that doesn't mean you're going to release anything. <laughs> Which is all I'm interested in. I don't care what you work on. I want to know what you're going to release. You know, pretty much. What can I buy at the end of the day? What am I going to play? I mean, there's rumors of certain games, right? There's, there's, I think there is some kind of rumor of a Knights of the Old Republic either revamp or maybe sequel. 
I don't know how valid those yeah. rumors are. Maybe there's stuff that's far along the pipeline that we just don't know about. I, I would hope that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that Knights of the Old Republic game, which is supposedly some kind of spiritual successor uh, to the original two. Um, I mean, that that rumor came from Jordan Mason, I think. And, you know, he's fairly reliable. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I hope. I hope he's right. I hope he's he's got a scoop there that pans out. But again, until it's on my TV. <laughs> yeah, sure. Now, Marie, as I understand it, you're not a huge gamer. But I, I get the sense that's mostly because Cupid hasn't hit you with the right arrow yet. So... If that's correct, like, what's what would it take for Star Wars in 2020 in this era to hook you, to bring you in and get you into the deep end and say, that's okay, that's it. Like, I got to play this game. So I think my biggest issue is accessibility. Um, I am much more drawn to, and I've mentioned this game so many times before, but I play at least an hour of Pokemon Masters every single day. And it's a mobile game. So it's, and it's really complicated and um, detailed. And so there's so many different kinds of missions you can go on. Um, Event missions, story missions, Battle Villa. Like there's so many different things going on. There's something for everybody. Um, but all I have to do is whip out my phone, tap the screen, and I'm there. I don't have to mess with cables, mess with what input I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> uh, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Instead, it's like right at my fingertips. And I think when I did play in 64 quite a bit when I was younger, but I really only played Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, oh. and pokemon stadium and pod racer that was like pretty much all i played um so just like three games but my game boy like i would spend hours and hours on my game boy so i just because it was so easy and you could carry it around with you everywhere you're not stuck in one space you can go outside and play it um one thing about my um pokemon masters i can crochet and knit while i play the game it is (laughs) wonderful (laughs) i don't have to carve out an hour of time just for the game i can do other things and so i don't feel like i'm i don't want to say that word um I don't feel like say I'm... it, say it, say it. Wasting <laughs> my time playing a video game <laughs> when I could be doing other stuff. So yeah, that's my thing. Like, and Star Wars Uprising was that game for me, and that was a mobile MMORPG that I played obsessively in 2015-16 um hours a day um where you got to see some of what was going on in the galaxy post palpatine's death by way of the anoet sector and i had a zabrak female character had a twilight female character 
There were story mode side missions, massive grinding battles where cartels vied for the most points. I even headed up a cartel. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> oh, oh hell! <laughs> and and I would give my team words of encouragement before one of the massive battles, and it it was just so much. I loved that game, and then they just stopped supporting it. It got a little unwieldy because, like, there was a lightsaber mission that was near impossible. It, it was pretty much straight, flat out impossible. Um, but Kobayashi Maru. The... <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, like, I adored that game, and it was canon material that was really fascinating right after Return of the Jedi. So, and like, the mentor guy is um, a Shadra fan named Short Paul, and he was so cute. Um, I love that game. So if they put another mobile game out that was like a story and not Galaxy of Heroes, where it's like a chess game, then I would be all on board. I, that's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they would do that. Yeah, Uprising was... <sighs> I mean, the story was great, and uh, but the, it was I couldn't get far in it because it was just too grindy. Like it, it was. I mean, this was before Battlefront, Battlefront Two, and EA was just going crazy with the you know microtransactions and and I mean, Uprising was just so grindy because they they desperately wanted you to pay to play, and it was. Oh, I, ju- I, ju- I just couldn't do it. I couldn't couldn't justify the time. It was, but but I remember enjoying the story and the characters from that that game showed up in one of the aftermath um, interludes. I think, right? Probably. I think it was like they Never. showed up on the Cloud City interlude in one of the books. Mm. I think some of the characters, anyway, from the game. But yeah. But. Uh, I mean, I think all they've got now is, like, I think they've got pinball games and stuff, but they've got Galaxy of Heroes, which I have, I've never really touched. And they had that uh, Battlefront, the first Battlefront, uh, they had a tie-in mobile game called, I think it was called Battle Command or something. And you could earn points in the mobile game for the, uh, the console game, the console version, something like that. Like it transferred the points transferred across your account or something like that. Yeah. I mean, this is five years ago. I can, yeah. <laughs> I can barely remember what happened a few months ago, but, I but yeah, I mean, that's, uprising was definitely unfortunate. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder though, like that. I'm going to assume that Maria is not the only person that would, you know, that, that plays games primarily via mobile device you know, for, for whatever reason, but there's gotta be a big enough segment there for them to consider putting in a canonical game that is on a mobile device. That's the thing. Galaxy of Heroes. Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to (laughs) say Galaxy of Heroes is not canon. Like it's just like a chess game sort of. Yeah. So it's cool. It's fun, but it's not a story. But they could pick any any old side character, right? Like they can pick Baylor Valance or, jeez, uh, Sanastaros, and yeah, right. Like and just create a little uh, little game. Yeah, 
but I mean that that was what Uprising was. It was an RPG. It was your character going through and interacting, and there were conversations, and there were, you know, story points. There was a they had the new like Grand Admiral who took over the Hoth's the Anowet system, and you know you went to Hoth in the game, and it was like a full on you know there there was a full on story campaign, um, and again EA just got too greedy and they decided they weren't making enough money off it and shut it down. Like, I, I wonder if they can get really ambitious and make a game that you play via mobile, but the, the story weaves into like a current comic book story. So let's take the theoretical Sanostoros game on a mobile device where you watch like a little cutscene, but the cutscene is actually in like Sanostoros issue number three. And it's like that exact scene. Mm. And obviously the art's different, really but cool. they weave them together that tightly. So you, there's incentive to read it and play the game and back and forth. And if that's successful, maybe they, they escalate it to the novels or something else where it's like you, you got it. You're missing out by not playing the game. You know what, Kyle, that would be really cool. But if only anybody gave a damn, you know? Well, I, I mean, that's the problem. Would, Nobody wants to. But... No, no, I don't mean the fans. I mean someone at Lucasfilm and EA. Someone, oh. you know. I mean, you think about. I mean, I don't know if you got. I don't know if you guys read these tie-ins or not, but like the uh, the Jedi Fallen Order game tie-in comic, oh. it, the prequel uh, to it. Did you not like it? I thought it was great, but it wasn't it it didn't impact the story of the game at all. Like it didn't give me, it was great for, for what it was, but I didn't feel like it transferred over to the story of the game uh, in a, in a satisfying way. Gotcha. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoyed the series. If that was, if it had just been a comic series, you know, it would have been a, a fine story, but again, you go into it with the expectation that it's going to do, uh, influence your perception of of the story of the game, and unfortunately, I didn't feel like it was really there. And it was cool because you you did get to learn a little more about certain characters that aren't fleshed out as much as you would like in the game. Um, but that's different from having an impact on the story yeah. of the game. No, I know what you sure. mean. That the that Jedi character, I forget her name. Um, uh, Seer. Yeah, like she's all over the comic, but it's you yeah. know it takes place well before the game, and yeah, it's great to learn her history. But yeah, you could play the game, which I haven't done, but <clears throat> you could play the game without reading the comic. Well, and that's the thing because the game is built that you get enough of her story, um, you know, to to make sense of the rest of the story. Essentially, you you know you understand her well enough in the game. You don't need the comic, and you shouldn't need the comic to make sense of her character in the game. Um, but that's the thing. It's it's just fleshing out a character more that was already fairly fleshed out, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, anyway, bottom line is more video games coming. <laughs> and now we <laughs> wait for, to see what that actually means. Maybe Celebration would have been the place to elaborate, but we wait. Uh, cool. So let's jump into a light chat. We'll do. We'll spend a few minutes here. Marie, you're going to lead us on this a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about Queen's Peril. I haven't read it. Nathan's not read it, but 
I'm curious just to get your general impressions on the book and just talk about uh, what you thought, what the story does for the character and for the handmaidens, et cetera, et cetera. Go, go for it, Marie. Let us know. Um, probably the coolest part was watching these girls come together to form this cohesive unit. Um, they are talking in detail about different ways they're going to improve her dresses, different ways they're going to improve um, things that Panaka wants to do and sort of throws it back on him where they change things a little bit to make it more appropriate for them. Is he still grumpy? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Some things never change. That's, that's immovable. Oh, yeah. An immutable <laughs> fact about, about Hugh. What's his name? Uh, What's his first Korsh? name? Uh, yeah, Korsh Panaka. Korsh, Panaka. yeah. Just, just a miserable grump. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> it's funny, there's actually, this isn't a spoiler, but there's one moment in there where it says, it basically hints at the fact that he had a specific person he wanted to win the election, but it never tells you who he wanted to win the election. Yeah, you can kind of... Yeah, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" Well, there was some of that in the in the first book, right? You got some of the tension between him and Padme in in oh, Queen yeah. Shadow. Yeah, there was yeah. definitely for sure. So he's um, potentially a resentful head of security for the Queen. But he seems yeah. to like her a lot at the same time. So. I, it's confusing. I'm not quite sure what. Yeah, it, it seems it seems to seem to me from again. I haven't read Queen's Peril, but in Queen's Shadow, it it seemed to me that um, they were very ideologically different. Oh yeah. Uh, but he was, you know, they were both very committed, and both understood um, their duty, and that they understood. Uh, they never doubted each other. You know, Padme right. never doubted his loyalty, and he never um, doubted her commitment to duty. It was just ideological differences. Um, he never doubted her motives. He doubted her her methods. Uh, oh yeah, like her... that was. I think that was mostly, or 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 like I guess the big uh, display of that was they both like post. Trade Federation invasion. They there was they had both had I very very different ideas on how to defend Naboo from that. Yeah, and like uh, Padme wanted the like sh some sort of like protective shield for the city, right? And and Panaka wanted something very very different. Ion cannon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and hey, a little cool little tie in there, right into Battlefront. Mm -hmm. Where you see those yep. those those shields, so Padme got yeah. her way, as is true uh, because she is smart and Panaka is not. Well, actually, I don't, I don't, yeah, because wasn't do you remember Marie? Which which it was he wanted? Did he want the cannon? Because in Battlefront, it's an ion pulse. Yeah. Right. Um, because it deactivates that, all the battle droids. That sounds. That sounds really familiar. Yeah, um, I can't remember because that's that's the whole point of the mission when you're playing as Leia in uh, in Battlefront, the Battlefront Two campaign is that you're storming the palace. Um, no, when you're yeah, when you're playing as Leia, you're storming the palace to set off the Ion Pulse. I think. Is it Leia? Yeah. 
I think it's Leia, because Leia goes to Naboo because it ties into the Shattered Empire comic. Oh, yeah, with um, Operation Cinder. Yeah, yeah, that's why she goes to stop the Operation Cinder satellites from destroying Naboo, and she ends up, Leia ends up in a N1 Starfighter, which is magical. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say that... um... It starts off where Padme is very, very pacifist, and um, Panaka is not so pacifist. Mm. He wants her to be defended at all costs in any way possible, and she's like, look, I'm going to get my handmaidens. We're going to work some stuff out. We're going to figure out some cool stuff to do with our appearance, deception, and clothing, and face paint and like it is so cool the different things they manipulate and figure out to be able to trick people mm-hmm. um so i don't know i can't remember how or if that changed after the fact but it started out that's how they were um so there's a lot of that going on in the beginning and you get to see some really cool interactions with people elsewhere from the chamel sector um, where Padme is, or Amidala, I should say, <laughs> is in charge and trying to make peace with these other planets. And it's just, it's so, I love her so much. Mm-hmm. And so getting this view of her um, taking charge and really working so closely with her handmaidens um, it's just a treat. And then I don't know how much you know about the last half of the book, so I don't want to give it away, but it blew my mind. I was so excited when what I thought might happen came true. Mm, oh, that, you oh you're, sell, you're selling yeah. me here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I am, to be honest, I, I am on the fence about this book because I was like, I loved the first half of Queen's Shadow. And then the second half of the book, I just thought it was like it meandered and then just ended. Yeah, it it did end real abruptly, I thought. And I yeah. feel like, like that the climax, I, I didn't feel like there was a climax to the book. Like they were no. talking about like a dam and it was like, OK, the end. Like, oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> did it, I lose? Yeah, it? Like, were there pages I missing? Think the, I think the climax of the book was when she went on vacation to Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like where the climax should have been. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, it's why I was kind of of two minds about Queen's Peril because I so, I'm, E.K. Johnson set up so many uh, threads in Queen's Shadow, uh, so she could go back and tell the story in Queen's Peril. Uh, you know, those little threads are are there throughout the whole book. And they're obvious threads. You could see that she was trying to plant the seeds for for a prequel to it. Um, but yeah, I, I also really want a sequel. Um, so it, it's yeah. kind of a strange way. I mean, it's not so strange for Star Wars, but <laughs> <laughs> but generally it's a strange way to construct it. Because I can imagine she has plans to, you know, dive further into... Um, senator padme's career i mean we got got the little we got the little hints of of um uh oh what's her name what's her the separatist senator or she's later separatist senator 
Um, Bonteri? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mina. Uh, Mina Bonteri. You know, we get the little, you know, glimpses of her speaking with Dooku and and all that yes. stuff. I mean, we still have the whole rise of the Confederacy uh, to get to. And I think I think she's just such a such a great grasp. I think I think that that Johnston and Charles Soule have the best um, voices for Palpatine. Um, yeah, yeah, we talked about think, this, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they they both write Palpatine really well and I, capture I, his voice. Yeah, I mean, just to reiterate, yeah, we had that that little chat on Luminous Beings. Like, I love the way that E.K. Johnson captures. Palpatine's voice, Senator Palpatine's voice, the, the sweet old man, and whereas Charles Soule really nails Sidious. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to, if anything, just to get her take on Palpatine again. Uh, but Marie, my biggest question of this book is Paulo and his dreamy eyes. <laughs> is he part of this? Is he in the book? Uh, no. Oh. No, Paulo. Because that was bef- when she was in the... The junior legislative like, program. Junior legislature. And this takes place like immediately when she's elected queen. Oh, okay. So they were already done. Yeah. Oh. We've, we've been robbed. Yeah. We've been robbed. We- <laughs> <laughs> but there is some fantastic Palpatine, some fantastic Sidious... And some fantastic mall. Oh, cool. Hello. 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 All right. That's, I think you got me now. I think yeah. that, that, that kind of pushed me over the edge. It's one I'm, thing to I'm give me Sidious. It. I knew, or it's one thing to give me Palpatine. I knew that was going to be a part of it. But Sidious is in it as well. And mall. That's, that's, you, you, I think you got me. I'm getting the audiobook. I'm getting it. It's pretty surprising <laughs> when you come across those parts and you don't quite know who she's talking, who the author's talking about, and then you're like, "Wait a second! Oh crap!" And you're like, "That's amazing! It's so cool." <laughs> I assume that Cat uh, Tabor is is doing the audiobook for this one as well. I haven't really looked into that to see, but I would assume that she's doing this one. Like she did Queen Shadow. It would make sense. Probably. Yeah. But I, I don't remember hearing an announcement about it. But, uh, yeah. Well, Nathan, Nathan, I want to touch on something you said, Nathan. Like, the, like Marie, is there a, a specific reason? I, like Nathan said, like they, she plant, E.K. Johnson planted seeds in Queen's Shadow for obvious prequels that she was hoping to tell. Mm hmm. Is there a reason for that? Like, is there a reason for this for this story to follow Queen's Shadow as it is as it, as it has, or is it just meh? It's just it's a prequel. That's all it is. Um, I mean, I guess it gives us more history on Sabe, so we kind of we know who Sabe becomes. But we find out how she got there. I I always like stories being told backwards because I like backstory. Mm-hmm. After I'm introduced to someone, um, I enjoy that. I know a lot of people think that's backwards, but I really like it. Um, mm. so 
there were a few things that definitely I was like, oh, I remember this from this. They're explaining how what they talked about in, in Queen Shadow, how that happened. It's right here. So that was pretty cool. I mm. I don't know. It's always I find it more surprising that way to find it out. To find out the backstory later on. Yeah. But I mean, it's just totally weird. <laughs> it, it's almost like she wrote Queen Shadow and then they were kind of like, OK, so do you want to go backwards or forwards? <laughs> and she was like, well, let's go back and fill that in and then we can go and finish the story later. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, the, those, those seeds are tantalizing in Queen Shadow. Like, is it, is it Kare, Kare? Uh, oh, which one is it that was tortured by the Trade Federation? Uh, oh gosh, it, I always get it confused. It's either Yane or Sashe. Sa- Sashe sounds right. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's adding some darkness to the Phantom Menace that, you know, we didn't realize was, was there, you know, we, we see those shots of, you know, um, new gun Ray walking down the stairs of the, of the feed palace. And we don't know that one of the handmaidens is off being tortured somewhere. <laughs> it's like, Holy. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't judge yeah. some of that suffering that kept being alluded to in Phantom Menace, but we never see yeah. it. So that, yeah. that, that was valuable. And yeah, like I, I like to get the backstory too. Like, I think we're all, the three of us are like canon junkies. Like we want to know where these characters come from and their stories and their histories. I, but I, like, I guess I'm the opposite of, of you in this regard, Marie. Like I would have preferred, I think if they had started with Queen's Peril and then move forward to Queen's Shadow and then go to Senator Palpatine or Senator Amidala. I, that's, I mean, I, that's obviously all, you know, personal preference and we're going to get all these stories anyway. It's just, yes, and it's very signature Star Wars to to do a back dive like that. Tell a story. Now let's go back. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, it's something. To just I got to get used to it because <laughs> they're just going to keep doing it. Yeah, I think I think it kind of makes sense um, from a marketing perspective because you think about it. If you're going to imagine trying to market Queen's Peril before Queen Shadow, oh, this book takes place during the Phantom Menace. Versus, oh, this book takes place uh, after the Phantom Menace and chronicles Padme becoming a senator. You know, one of these things is going to be like, oh, well, do you do we really? It's going to be one of those things. Do we really need that story of Pat? You know, Padme's perspective during Phantom Menace, whereas the story of her becoming a senator uh, in an era that is really not that well fleshed out in canon, uh, that's going to be more attractive. So that's kind of you use that as your hook and then you can go back and and use Queen Shadow to get people excited for Queen's Peril. Did Queen's Shadow come out in 2019 or 2018? 2018, I think. Right? Is that that long already? Uh, I know. <laughs> oh man. Cuz I would have thought like okay, it makes perfect sense to if if it was 2019, then yeah, that would have made perfect sense just to have that book come out on the 20th anniversary of of phantom menace mm. but if it was actually 2018 oh yeah you're right it was 2019 wasn't it because that came out just before master and apprentice i think 
Yeah, so what, it's right here. That, within yeah. arm's reach. <laughs> that was last year. That yeah. was last year. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it was the it was the Phantom Menace anniversary publishing fest because you had you had Queen Shadow and Master and Apprentice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. March 2019. So yeah, I guess that was it makes only a year ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it seems so long ago. A much more naive time. 2019. <sighs> right. <laughs> cool. All right. So Marie, you have you have sold me. I'm going to get Queen's Peril at some point. That's that's it's a done deal now. It's happening. Loved it so much. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to myhealthpolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, myhealthpolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. Myhealthpolicy.com. All right. Um, thank you for that, Marie. And you, you have a more Welcome. detailed review at your blog, right? Oh, yeah. So if you need... Very detailed. Star, uh, Star Wars reference? The Star Wars review.blogspot.com. So check it out. If you need if you need more selling, and just, you know, just be nice. Go visit Marie's blog anyway. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Um, all right. So the meat and potatoes of the show here. We're going to get speculative. We're going to get crazy. We're going to look at the High Republic because we're super excited for this. It's been pushed out a few more months. We're going to have to wait. So we're going to have to fill the space with our own crazy thoughts. Um, so we got treated last week to Charles Soule's Light of the Jedi, the first chapter of the book. Um, and I don't know about either of you, but the more I think about the potential of this series in this era, the more excited I get for it. Like I'm, I'm dying to get into a new era of Star Wars as much as I love this era that we've been living in for 40 years, I want, <laughs> I, I think we need a new era. I really think we do need this. Uh, what, what about you, Marie? Do we, do, are, are you stoked for a completely different era? Oh, I'm super excited. But for me, um, anything that comes out of the prequel era is like my bread and butter. So Hell yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm super excited about it. Don't get me wrong. But if it was from the prequel era, I would be like, oh, my God. So well, I mean, I, you can always hope that this is going to link up in some way by the end of it. Like almost yeah. very have a very firm handshake with the prequel era by the end of it all. It's true. What about you, Nathan? Are you how how excited are you for this? in terms of it being new era versus I'm okay with what I'm, I'm okay with filling in the gaps of, of this current era. I, I mean, I'm excited for something new. I mean, I, I can't tell now that we kind of have a better idea of what it is. 
I mean, we have for some time now, uh, since February, but I don't know. I still don't know if I'm excited just to finally get it <laughs> and <laughs> after being teased for so long, or if my excitement is for the concept, because there are still some things about the concept that, and, and a lot of things that we weren't sure of uh, until we got this excerpt that I'm still kind of, uh, oh, <laughs> <on>. <laughs> and and why? <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I am excited to to read the books and 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 dive into this new era. Um, but so far, my I, I've mixed feelings about it so far. Cool. Which is you know, which is normal. Honestly, it's normal and on a certain level is disappointing in itself. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's it's new Star Wars. So what are you going to complain about? Yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, it's it's ambitious. And yeah, I, you know, we got to tip the, our, our caps to them for that, for wanting to do something new and different. Um, so anyway, I, I asked our powerful friends, like what like, I want to gauge the interest level of this and I, it being a novel or largely or entirely as far as we know a literary based thing it's it's automatically going to be a niche thing it's not going to be like a movie where everybody is just ready to go uh, so, mm-hmm. but i wanted to take the temperature anyway and, and and get some feedback so uh the powerful friends always step up so Stu, the mighty Stu baka says i know this isn't going to help with tonight's podcast talk but it's not caught my attention at all so i will be getting all my info from tumbling saber sorry mate <laughs> no apologies no. needed like this is exactly the kind of stuff i want to hear because yeah i, I, I mean I'm we're sorry sure... we're sorry if this is where you're getting your news <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> our slanted versions um it, it, it's 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 valuable input and i'm sure lucasfilm would like to know this too mm. um but yeah and this is the work they have to do right because i don't know what plans lucasfilm has for this initiative, if it's just going to be books or if they plan to blow it out to eventually to be on the screen, but they, there's work to be done from Lucasfilm standpoint in getting people interested. Or if not, if it's, if they're just going to leave it to book lovers, then it is what it is. And people can look to us and to other podcasts and and YouTubers and whatnot to break it all down. Uh, But sticking with our powerful friends, uh, Wayne Knight, Darth Newman, super excited for High Republic. I have Light of the Jedi pre-ordered, and I'm in for any comics they announce. So that that kind of makes sense to me. Uh, Kigo, doubt I'll read it. Instead, I will need an audio version read by the Tumbling Saber Kang. Marie narrates. <laughs> Michelle does the fully sound effects. Kyle does the male characters. Corey does the female characters. And Carlos does the droids. Insert sexual noises here. the only change i would make to this is to swap Corey and michelle for obvious reasons but not the least of which is i think the female characters require somebody that knows how to read to do the parts and (laughs) i'm sorry Corey. i'm sorry uh and then last is is our good pal rick you guys know I don't normally read excerpts ahead of the book, book release, but this chapter got me excited to know about The Great Disaster. 
it sucks having to wait six months to find out what happens. Oh, um, I bet he even read this faster than us too. No, I, you, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think from this dour reply, I think what we can suss out from this is Rick is turned off and he is a hashtag fake fan. And he's not going to be buying these books because he's he's just that cheesed about having to wait six more months. So uh, Rick is a fake fan and also a quitter on Star Wars. Also, he doesn't <laughs> know anything about the balance of the force. <laughs> Screw oh, you, Mark. Nathan gets his. <laughs> <laughs> the revenge, the revenge. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. See, net now he has to come back to defend himself. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess that's where we're at now. All right, so let, let's get into this. This this was an IGN exclusive scoop last week. Um, let's just jump in and tear it apart and build up our impressions of the, of the galaxy in this era. So, and don't forget, people are coming to us for this info now. So, we we, we got to get it right. Uh, so, but just to set the table, this is what the uh, this is sort of the table setting here from IGN. Uh, this excerpt is our first look at the moment that changes the High Republic forever, Sol told IGN. The destruction of the Legacy Run is the catalyst for a galaxy-wide disaster. Fragments of the destroyed cargo vessel begin flying out of hyperspace at super-accelerated speeds, meaning that deadly missiles of debris can appear anywhere at any time, from the outer rim to the core. In this moment of crisis, the Republic turns to the Guardians of Peace and Justice, the Jedi. Sol continued... The opening beats of Light of the Jedi depict an epic disaster and a heroic, thrilling response by both the Republic and the Jedi to save lives and end the crisis. It's just the beginning, though. The legacy-run disaster kicks off a much larger story. It really is just one piece of a much bigger saga. So this is uh, how we're set to enter the High Republic period, straight into disaster as this ship, this vessel, is somehow destroyed with thousands of people aboard, while it's traveling through hyperspace. Sounds crazy. Uh, in reading this excerpt, I it reminded me a lot of the opening of the 2009 Star Trek reboot. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just sort of the imagery and the urgency that came to mind in the later moments of, of this excerpt. Um, so uh, I think what we can do is just We'll go around the table here one at a time and just if there's a passage or a quote or something about the the excerpt, let's just kick it around and, and see what kind of information we can extract out of it to build up our impressions of what we think the High Republic era is. So, Marie, I'll turn it over to you first. What uh, what jumped out to you? Um, so, OK. Well, I have a comment that's not related to what the High Republic is, but um, I'll stick with that for now. So, um, oh, this this I thought of. So, order and justice are maintained on the galactic frontier by Jedi Knights, guardians of peace who have mastered incredible abilities stemming from a mysterious energy field known as the Force. The Jedi work closely with the Republic and have agreed to establish outposts in the Outer Rim to help any who might require aid. And I was thinking, I was like, so these outposts with the promise of aid don't actually seem that incredibly different from Jedi going to various worlds during the Clone Wars to aid people under separatist attack. Mm -hmm. So there's this huge 
ordeal, philosophical, moral deal with being generals and fighting a war when the Clone Wars happen. And so now I'm like, what kind of aid are we talking here? Are we like medical aid? Is it, um, are they helping defend them from pirates? Because that's what came to my mind is like they're pirates and they have to defend themselves. Um, so I'm just really curious about that because what makes this different than being a general in the Clone Wars? I had that exact passage highlighted too. And, and it made me think like, are the Jedi already converted to pawns as part of like the Sith long con? Or is this a well-intentioned partnering between the Republic and the Jedi that only uh, Plagueis and Sidious were eventually able to subvert. So I don't know. Like you're right, Marie, you, you put it perfectly there that the Jedi are doing this in the prequels on behalf of, of the Republic and of, for worlds that need their need intervention. Mm-hmm. How is this different? What is that aid look like? Nathan, what do you think of this? Well, I didn't see it so much as sort of a military um, role as I did sort of as a police force and sort of these outposts as sort of precincts. Um, You know, um, although, and then you go down to the next paragraph, I had this highlighted as well. (laughs) (laughs) You go down to the next paragraph and it's, uh, though the outposts operate independently without direct assistance from the Great Jedi Temple on Coruscant, um, they act as an effective deterrent to those who would do evil in the dark. I mean, it sounds like to me, it, I mean, it definitely does sound like that sort of Western um, sheriff in an old stage town where he is the law and, you know, there's every, you know, Twice a year, a judge rolls through. <laughs> and, you know, that, <laughs> Hang that kind of a thing. Yeah, where he is the law, and that's it. Uh, that's kind of what it seemed like to me. Yeah, they're a representative of of a larger body, like maybe like a like a U.S. marshal type of thing. Um, but they're that's very the, much out there on their own. That's the picture that's been painted for us. So that they're like frontier justice kind of people. That they're they're like Texas Rangers kind of. Yeah. Out there well, on the I frontier. mean, that paragraph begins with the Jedi of the frontier. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, like yeah. I have that passage highlighted as well. So this is going to go real quick. But like the the other idea I want to inject into this is they say the outposts operate independently and without direct assistance from the great Jedi Temple on Coruscant. That it, it I get the impression that, you know, if I almost get the sense that the Jedi are, are in these outposts are maybe a bit isolated and Mm. potentially sounds like a good way for Jedi to become again, like isolated from, from the main and morph into something else. Like it just, Mm. it seems to, if if you're going to spread yourself thin like this, that you, you give time and space for other ideologies to sort of warp your core beliefs as a, as a Jedi order. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like sure. from the two things that we're we're talking about already, it sounds like the long con could already be in effect and just sort of already separating the Jedi from one another so that you can get in there and and 
alter them, turn the, turn their core beliefs in, against them. So it's, it sounds like there's Sith sort of overlords way in the background in this. They're, they they could be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we see here. I mean, presumably it's the the first line of the book. The Force is with the galaxy. And, you know, it, it stands alone as its own paragraph. And it's, you know, um, that's a bold statement, um, even though we're, you know, what does it mean when the Force isn't with the galaxy? And what causes the Force to not be with the galaxy? And why is the Force with the galaxy at this point? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, that's a very loaded sentence. Is that stark contrast to, like, the sequel era? Where the mm. force has kind of gone dormant, mm. yeah, and the first order rises, right? Like how how sleepy was the force, and and out of out of action was it? Mm. Uh, here's here's one I got. These outer rim worlds are filled with opportunity for those brave enough to travel the few well mapped hyperspace lanes leading to them. This yeah. one, this is curious. <laughs> me. I think we're all sort of, when they told us back in what October or so when, when they unveiled this era, whatever it was. And they said, this is a time of expansion of great exploration. But this is just 200 years before the prequels in a galaxy that yeah. is already tens of thousands of years old. Yeah. Like what, what is so like, why the, like why the 200 years preceding the prequels? Why are they so important? Like, is yeah. everything before that 10,000 years before that just like dark ages? Like why are there so few hyperspace lanes? I'm very curious to know about that. Yeah. That that's an example of one of the pro, one of the well one of the things I'm worried about with this entire initiative is it seems to be oscillating between uh boldness and trepidation where they have these really bold ideas but then they're like oh but we can't go too far back. <laughs> <laughs> right and and that's what this is the thing that does scare me because if if we're just sort of breaking this new ground and finding these new worlds via hyperspace mm -hmm. if you go back if you want to tell like and we already know like of certain events in the star wars timeline like a thousand years before like it the idea i'm getting now is that the star wars galaxy before this is like dark ages yeah like where there's like five hyperspace routes that that they know about it's it's very bizarre to me yeah, yeah. well there's there's a paragraph further down um chancellor so's well and and we get a lot of talk about this chancellor so uh chancellor lena so so you got to imagine in the first chapter we're getting so much as uh, or so many mentions of her She's going to play heavily into this this uh, story going forward. Do we make anything of the fact that she was not described as Supreme Chancellor? I hadn't even thought of that. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I that. mean, this that could play into this um, because I also don't think they refer to it as the Galactic Republic, do they? Just Republic, as far as I know. Yeah. So it's just Chancellor of the Republic, not Supreme Chancellor of the 
Galactic Republic. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. It's this paragraph is Chancellor Sol's Republic wasn't perfect. No government was or even could be, but it was a system that gave people room to dream. No, even better, it encouraged dreams, big and small. The Republic had its flaws, but all things considered, it could be a hell of a lot worse. And it's this, like, to tie this into what you were talking about, Kyle, it's like, it doesn't make sense to me that all of this space would be unexplored. What does make sense to me, and, and both of these things seem to be true, but I think only one of them should be. That it makes sense that the Republic isn't galactic wide yet. It's not the Galactic Republic. Mm. It's it's uh, limited to the inner and mid rim. Right. Uh, so that would make sense at this period. Say, okay, well, there's it, it's a time of great expansion. By the end of this, the Republic is going to expand all the way into the outer rim. But it doesn't make sense for so much of the outer rim to be unexplored and to be for these hyperspace routes to be. Um, so, um, uh, mysterious and unknown. I mean, I mean, you, even hyperspace, like this sentence, you couldn't, tr- or this passage, you couldn't trust hyperspace. It was useful, sure. If you got it, got you from here to there, it was key to the expansion of the Republic out from the core, but no one really understood it. So, like, it's like hyperspace even seems new. Yeah. It's like, Nobody understands what hyperspace is or like and and we don't really know if in the in the uh, movie era, if people really understand hyperspace, but it's never been a question. <laughs> you know, it's it they're treating it here right. like it's new. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it. Han Solo echoes it in in A New Hope where he says, like, well, we're, you know. Without precise calculations, we'd bounce too close mm. to a star, blah, blah, blah. So there is a definite peril to going into hyperspace. And it's a lot of work. You just don't like, you just don't go, you know, it, yeah. it's, it, there's a lot of backend work to, for, for the computer to calculate that. I mean, that, that checks out here, but yeah, the, the timing of it is so strange. It, that, it ties into what we were talking about a couple of years, uh, minutes ago about, it being so relatively close to the prequels that it, it's strange that the outer rim was just unmapped mostly for so, so long. Yeah. Maybe we'll find Even... out that it was, and maybe, maybe there was like a great darkness and maybe, you know, the, all that info was lost at some point. Maybe it was all explored and all of that info was for some disaster lost. And it's only in yeah. this era that they begin to rediscover it. Yeah, but that's the story I want. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. I want the story of the great darkness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But even even looking at like they they make a very particular point of pointing out that the legacy run is 60 years old and it's at the end of its life and it can't even hold together while performing a maneuver in hyperspace. And it's like a 60 year old ship should be able, you know, from what we've seen in the movies, the Falcon is more than 60 years old and look at what that ship has been through, you know, 60 years old should not be the lifespan for a ship. So it almost seems like they're making the technology seem that much more um, primitive 
mm-hmm. just 200 years prior, which I will admit, like, that's one of my problems with Knights of the Old Republic is you're going back four or five thousand years and most of the technology is identical apart from the aesthetics. Um, I know I always had a bit of a problem with that, but I mean, 200 years is is the extreme in the other direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it really seems like the technology should kind of be the same, if not even a little bit better in this era. Yeah. Very strange. Marie, so, you got another one, Marie? Um, well, I have a question. So you were mentioning maneuvering in hyperspace. That mm. was my biggest thing. I was like, wait a second. I had no idea that ships could maneuver while flying through hyperspace. Has that <laughs> ever been a thing before? Like, while no. you're in the middle of going through hyperspace, you can actually maneuver? I mean, all we've seen is like really like the closest thing i can think of is um like a ship detaching from another ship like a fighter detaching from i think we saw that with the uh the phantom dislodging from the ghost and just kind of being flung out of hyperspace that's true that's that's the closest but that i wouldn't call that maneuvering (laughs) yeah that just really threw me off i was like wait what yeah, I think I think that's brand new, and it's strange to get that now. <laughs> it's really yeah. weird. It's it's one of those things that you know, if you're gonna nitpick and be one of those people, like this breaks canon, could mm-hmm. be written all over this. <laughs> yeah, because you can. I can imagine, like you know, when you see the ship, uh, the Falcon or a cruiser, it's flying through this big hyperspace tunnel. There's a bit of room to kind of you know duck and dodge if something was coming at you but it's like the, there's the part in the book where um the captain of the ship she's she's trying to pilot this thing and she like there, there's she sees like the object coming at her at light speed and dodges it yeah like the whole uh... i don't i don't want i don't want to question the physics of star wars at this point it's whatever it is what it is she saw the object coming at them in their hyperspace lane she ducked it with their ship successfully but at the expense of the the integrity of the ship's hull and it starts falling apart yada 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 yeah but there's there's a difference between questioning the real life physics of star wars and the the rules of star wars <laughs> sort of the rules of storytelling that have been established in star wars yeah and i mean they might I mean, be there are, there here. are definitely there are definitely times where they play fast and loose with that um I mean, Rebels was notorious for kind of uh, bending things where they needed to here and there. Um, but this is like, what? <laughs> and I guess the approach here is, well, it's never not been done. Yeah, sure. So I guess we can do it. But there's probably a reason why it hasn't been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hyperspace, it's always been just how we get from here to there. And now it's being used right. as like a plot driver. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I mean, we... it was. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, I figured it was just like a, a tunnel, like a, a lane that you were on. And once you set those coordinates in, you were locked in and you couldn't do yeah. anything to get out of it. But unless you, I guess, change coordinates mid 
pass, but I I don't know. The only instance I can think of where something moved in hyperspace extra was when in the Poe Dameron comics when um the dresses when Padme's dresses were ejected into hyperspace mm. and they the um oh I can't think of his name but the guy that they were always was always after him. Yeah um, the, yeah I can't remember his name. <laughs> the bald dude. His yes so <laughs> Um, the dresses were just flying in hyperspace and he's like, and no one will ever see them again. And I was like, wait, what does that mean? Like, that's a whole new thing too. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we had the, um, uh, the the star destroyers that could, the, the gravity wells that could pull ships out of hyperspace. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel, I want to say that in legends, those have been around sad. forever. Yeah. Those yeah, interdictors. Well, since, since the RPG, yeah. Um, but I want to say that in Legends, it was established that hyperspace was like sort of like an, a different dimension. And you're opening up a, a like a different dimension, and that was what you were traveling through. <laughs> I, I, That's what I, I got from the dresses thing. I was like, it must be another dimension. If yeah, like they're in they're in hyperspace forever. forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I then that like... doesn't. But I guess, but it doesn't really make sense because like you would need a hyperdrive to stay in hyperspace, because yeah. that's why like the Phantom tumbles out of hyperspace and that kind of right. thing. But uh, yeah, I mean it's all kind of gobbledygook, but. <laughs> it's, it's like don't forget uh, we're, guess, we're in a galaxy where space whales can go into hyperspace sure sure <laughs> and and now it would seem that it was that you know they were only discovered like what 300 years ago <laughs> yeah like in my mind like upon seeing the pergo like ancient explorers learned hyperspace travel from the pergo yeah, that's how like, I'm thinking like Galileo looking up through his light, his telescope and seeing like space whales shoot into hyperspace. And he's like, oh, I got an idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to a passage that was brought up a minute ago. So Chancellor So has pledged to bring the Outer Rim worlds into the embrace of the Republic through the ambitious outreach programs such as Starlight Beacon. So that to me is fascinating because, it, you know, if if one of the big goals of the Republic is to sort of bring in, like, explore ga- the galaxy and bring in these Outer Rim worlds into the Republic, this mm. outreach fails. It, at least partially. I mean, in Phantom Menace, Shmi reminds us that the Republic doesn't exist out here. So either the outreach yeah. doesn't fully work or it's abandoned. Or it did work and subsequently fell apart later. Yeah. Or, well, or it's, um, I mean, in this uh, time of great expansion, uh, you know, the Republic is corporatized and planets like Tatooine aren't seen as profitable, so they get left out. Yeah. And, but you get sense the entire Outer Rim, like that's where all the scumbags go because it's lawless and there's there's no rules out there so i can i just 
you know, Republic credits mm-hmm. are no good out here, you know? Yeah, but I I don't think that's the I don't think it's the the case for all the outer room. Like Naboo is in the outer room, isn't it? Is it? I I don't know. I mean, it's near it's near <laughs> Tatooine. Let me take let's take a look. <laughs> it's right next to Tatooine. So if I'm not mistaken, but but I mean, I think if we look through the Clone Wars, I think we'll see we'd see plenty of um planets in the Republic that are um, that are in the outer rim. So but Naboo I, was a bountiful planet in the mid rim, okay. close close to the border of the outer rim territories. Yeah. Okay. But but it, but anyway, I I think that's that's what it would have come down to is, you know, what value is this planet bringing to the Republic, and whether they're in the outer rim or not, if they're profitable to corporations like the Trade Federation or Zerka or whoever, they would have been brought in. Yeah, I I think that's fair. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think it's it's sort of this... um, They're kind of playing with the idea of manifest destiny. And, and, you know, we, we see terms like the frontier, and we've got the Jedi kind of acting as that... As those those marshals um, taking on that kind of a role, and but you know, I as of yet, I haven't really seen them touching on um, sort of the evils of of manifest destiny. You know, I mean, yeah. that was that was something that was a real is a real life thing, and you know, it's had disastrous um, consequences. Uh, especially for indigenous peoples. So, you know, are they going to touch on that? Are they going to, are we going to see the Republic coming in and forcing their way onto indigenous populations on some of these planets that don't want it? I mean, we, we see that in the clone wars and it's not, that's not something new to star Wars, that, that concept of um, colonialism, but um when this is such a clear cut uh, sort of uh, transfer of our real life history into Star Wars. Well, and you, br- uh, you bring up a great point and it's, you know, it's sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for appropriate apropos of what's going on in the world today where colonialism sure. is really on trial. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. could you know, keep, keep politics out of Star Wars. Sorry, buddy. Like this could be filled <laughs> If they choose to go down this path of of colonizing the galaxy, man, this could be rife with political overtones. Yeah, absolutely packed. Well, and and another uh, interesting passage here: um, the legacy runs cargo sections were about eighty percent filled with settlers heading to the outer rim from overpopulated core and colonies, core and colonies worlds seeking new lives, new opportunities, and new skies. And it's one of those things where you got to wonder how many of the slaves on Tatooine are descendants of these people that were, (laughs) that were, you know, coming, that that were immigrating to the, the outer rim planets, seeking opportunity, and they just didn't make it and ended up, in slavery you know 
Is there a Skywalker ancestor? I was just about to pull that thread, and I'm like, I want to. I wonder, do you think that they can resist that sort of temptation to make a major Mm. connection along the way? Where, uh, let's say, Plagueis is alive at this time, yeah, and let's say uh, that if if they keep him as a moon or moon species. If they can live that long, and if he's around in this time, and he's mm-hmm, strokes his little mustache, twirls his little mustache, and says, I'm going to send out this temperamental Skywalker, banish him to some part of the Outer Rim, because eventually, you know, uh, Sith speak, blah, 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 he will be the eventual downfall of the, of the Jedi and the uprising of the Sith. I wonder if they can resist making that type of huge connection. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, I mean, the implication is kind of there. So I'd rather they, they left it alone, (laughs) but, uh, and I think, I I think a lot of people would, but um, I mean, I, I just like that implication. If, if that ends up being the lineage of these people, I mean, that's, we can draw our own conclusions at that point that, yeah, there was probably a Skywalker family on one of those ships that, headed for Tatooine. I mean, Shmi's great grandparents could be on those, on those ships. You know, this is, we've always wondered like, where was Anakin actually born? Maybe we land, land on a planet in this Mm, saga that eventually becomes the place, the birthplace of Anakin. Yep. I mean, it'd be a great sort of um, thread to pull on, you know, it could be, you know, you brought up the moons, but you know, the banking clan, gives these people loans to go and uh, set up their homestead in the outer rim. And then when they can't make payment, their loans are sold to the huts and now they're slaves. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh man. That's the thing. If they wanted to go into these, these issues and sort of and tackle some of these issues they could they're right there they've got them set up but it seems to me that and i'm afraid that they're gonna just leave it on the surface yeah well boy it's what kind of conviction and guts do they have to go deep down down that well yeah that's the question i have a feeling that that people who read the novels are more tall like are can handle this type of mm, potentially thorny issue. Yeah, I think I think largely, um, you know, the readers are are critical thinkers, and even they, they, you know, I don't agree with everything that I read, but that doesn't mean I don't, you know, there are things in in plenty of Star Wars books that I don't agree with, but I can still enjoy the books, you know. For sure, absolutely. You know, you've got to have a certain amount of objectivity. Uh, does anybody else have any other passages they thought fascinating? Marie, do you have anything else? Um, I did want to say that I really, really enjoyed Captain Hedda Cassette. And her ship was such a cool design mm. with the modules um, that could switch out from being like a tank for a giant fish to housing people. And it was like a huge ship if it had space for 144 of these modules um, mm. that I would have welcomed a story about her and her travels. And now I'm like, <laughs> 
go. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, she's she's done. It's over for for uh, Captain Hedda. She had she had a so good run, sad. but that's it. Yeah, that, br- the that brings up chapter of the. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that brings up another thing. It's like that's the great disaster. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I know, I was I a was little <laughs> I was a little let down. I was like, okay, that's sort of like a an unfortunate event. <laughs> I don't well, know. If I it's think the great, great disaster, disaster is yet to come, right? Like projectiles from what the leftovers of this ship are going to go colliding at light speed presumably into yeah, other planets but... and worlds and but when when they said that it involved hyperspace, that the great disaster involved hyperspace, in my mind I was like, okay, so the 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 Nile uh, found a way to um, jam hyperspace or disrupt hyperspace, and when they they maybe they found some ancient Sith device or some ancient alien device that can disrupt hyperspace throughout the galaxy. So then when they activate it all these ships came out of hyperspace at once unexpectedly and they were crashing into each other and blah, blah, you know, all this terrible thing, these terrible things were happening. And then hyperspace was inaccessible for, for certain people or, you know, it took a while to get hyperdrives back online. So hyperspace was limited and it crashed the economy and blah, blah, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, so a ship blew up. <laughs> okay, that's the great disaster. Maybe okay. it's <laughs> zooming out to like a, a thirty thousand foot view. Maybe again, it's it's part of some plan to prevent this expansion because the Sith have worlds out there that they want to keep hidden. Exegol's out there. Yeah, whatever but... planet they've got, we don't want the Republic coming here. So let's let's give the Republic a reason to cancel hyperspace travel. Yeah, but Kyle, they can't get there anyway because the hyperspace lanes are too dangerous. <laughs> Exegol, they can't get to Tatooine. Let them run Exegol. <laughs> well, yeah, like name your Sith planet, right? Uh, if they bring Korriban into this or Moraband or uh, what's the one from Rebels? Malachor? Yeah. How are how do the Jedi get into Ilum if the hyperspace lanes are so dangerous? <laughs> Good you know, it's one like of the these... five open ones. <laughs> Lo, you know, Lothal is in the outer rim. How how are the Jedi getting to their temple on Lothal? If hyperspace lanes are so, you know, like... world between world portals. Oh, oh boy! Oh right. boy! Yeah, I forgot. World between worlds. Everybody, stick your finger down your throat. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, that, that that's my own personal editorializing about the world between worlds. <laughs> no, but it, honestly, it's like I this I, I mean, I know they've been planning this for a long time and a lot of thought has gone into it and a lot of eyes have been on it. But I feel like this affects so many other things and can break potentially break so many other things that I'm real nervous about it. Yeah, it's going to be that balance of letting things go for the sake of stories being told and also like, okay, here, that's the line. This is the line of like, a this is a hard and fast rule in the Star Wars universe that you guys just stepped over. And now you got to yeah. give us a reason why it happened here. But why couldn't they just use that same technique, technology, whatever, 
in this era that we already know. Yeah. Like I, we do, I'm sure they'd love to conjure up all kinds of reasons to keep publishing material to explain mm-hmm. band-aid yeah. things. But I really hope, like you said, there's a lot of people working on this. Everybody's involved. Like th- this should be a fairly clean at this point. I mean, we're still talking about like four or five books. Yeah. Like, this should be a fairly clean initiative. We shouldn't jump into this and go, well, I've already got six, seven things that don't jive with what we know about Star Wars Galaxy. Now we need stories to explain this. Like, I yeah. hope it doesn't come to that. Right. Seems inevitable. <laughs> but I hope it I hope that's not the the thing we walk away talking about. Yeah. Hopefully well, we and... find out what the de- piece of debris was. Maybe that'll help make some of it better. Yeah, this seems real random. Like it's like it was like they had to create this whole um like primitive hyperspace attitude just to justify something being in a hyperspace lane. Like, I feel like there were better ways around that. I I, I don't know. Yeah. And like, it, it, from the, the chapter description, it's basically a passenger ship at this point. There's other yeah. cargo on board, which they don't get into. Maybe they will. Maybe that's the important thing. Maybe the rest, like it's 80% full of whatever. If this, the wreckage of this ship is to sort of scatter across the galaxy, which I think is being implied, and it it, it crash lands on different planets and and cataclysm here and cataclysm there, like would a piece of fuselage from a ship cause that? Or would you need a big, massive piece of the ship to land in a city on a planet? Or is there something on the ship? Or is it that we have yet to find was this was was the vessel carrying some sort of military type thing that would devastate a planet? Well, and that's the other thing is is the ship was traveling into the outer rim, so you would think that like the inner and mid rim planets would be fine for the yeah. most part. So it's kind of like, well, so is it is it just like? The Jedi are going to swoop in and try to save the indigenous peoples of these um, previously un unknown worlds. You know, like, ew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, uh, where are you going with this, guys? <laughs> Is it just like was the majority of the destruction in the outer rim? It's like, uh. and here's another thing: is didn't Thrawn say that the reason that the Chiss hadn't uh, made their way into the galaxy or further into the galaxy was because of the Republic? I don't remember. Because I know, I know, like, the Empire was a big reason that they kept their distance. But I feel like he said that, the you know, the Republic was so expansive or whatever that... Uh, that was sort of why they kept to themselves. The ascendancy kept to themselves. Hmm. But so I, I feel visiting. like, yeah, I feel like that's kind of going to be a, a bit of a hole too, because obviously the, we know that the Chiss don't depend on uh, 
have computers. So presumably right. they would have been able to travel through hyperspace just fine, uh, whether there were hyperspace lanes or not, because they didn't depend on them. They had their Skywalkers, right? Exactly. The Azalea Sahimbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you know why why weren't they around? Back, you know, two hundred years ago, or maybe they will be. Maybe they will be. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, again, we're we're pulling a lot of information out of not very much in like information, <laughs> you know. And, and that's 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 the point. Like, I'm trying to we're trying to build something up here and get excited for this. Um, there's lots of lots of questions that they need to tackle here, and it's like I'm still concerned that two hundred years prior to to the prequels is not enough for what they've given us. That's no, still a concern I, to me. It's definitely not. Uh, but they, they did throw us a few little, I wouldn't call them Easter eggs, but just familiar terminology. Just, I, I don't know if that's sort of like the, the warm and fuzzies or just, again, to keep us kind of grounded, but uh, a little starfighter of this era that we learned about was called the Buzzbug, the Incom Z24 Buzzbug. So the Incom <laughs> name, if you, if, you're, if you go deep enough into Star Wars lore, you know that Incom is the company that makes X-Wings and various other starfighters in the Star Wars world. So they're around in, in this part of the galaxy, or in this era, which is interesting. Uh, the Hut Armada. I don't think anybody would be too surprised to learn that the Huts are still around. No. Whether that's Jabba. Because I think, I, I think Huts live fairly long lives, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something like four or five hundred years, I think. So Jabba could make an appearance, a much younger, maybe slim down, trim, marathon running version of Jabba. <laughs> Stinky senior. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Trandoshans, Bith, or Tolans, all, get, all species that kind of get shout out in this. Mm. So there, there's, there is an effort Love here on that. Soul's part to paint visuals in our mind of a galaxy that we're already familiar with. Yeah. So that I, I thought that was all kind of cool stuff. One one more thing that sticks in my craw <laughs> is <laughs> Do you even Zer try to enjoy Star Wars, Nathan? I somehow I still do. <laughs> but also we've learned over the past few years that not liking Star Wars is a way to like Star Wars, apparently. So. <laughs> and make money doing it yeah but the zerka corporation you know brought back into canon by uh master and apprentice mm -hmm. and we find out that it's thousands of euros years old and might even predate the republic so we know for sure that the republic is a, you know a couple thousand years in some, whatever form that that takes, we know it, you know it stood for a thousand years in the form that we or or in the lineage of what we see in the prequels. But you know it's it's like okay, so Zerka is thousands of years old, and it may even I don't know. It, the, I feel like they're playing so fast and loose with these timelines that. You know what I'm actually really shocked about, and as as prequel fans, I'm curious, Marie. I want I want your take on this, Marie. 
how many times in the prequel era, I think in Phantom Menace alone, or actually it happens at least twice that I can think of in the prequels, where they refer to something from a thousand years ago. So the Sith being extinct for a millennia, generally a thousand years. Uh, yeah. uh, Palpatine saying that he's not going to allow the Republic that's been split in, uh, for stood for a thousand years be split in two. I am, yeah. I am pretty shocked that they didn't go a thousand years before and unearth some of that. Like it was right there. Like if we're also if we clutch our pearls enough about George Lucas and what he set out, <laughs> like it was all there. Like they could have said, oh, now we're going to talk about this really interesting thousand year period that seemingly a lot of stuff happened we're gonna tell you that story now people would be all over it i think like i'm i'm surprised like what do you think are you surprised that they didn't touch that totally and then you have obi-wan in a new hope of course you know he he's all from a certain point of view and everything but he said for a thousand generations Yeah. yeah 25,000 years. That's a law. A thousand generations <laughs> is a long time. Like, what? Yep. And then and they're saying a thousand, and so it's like 200? So, I... I, I seriously feel like people would have, if they had said this takes place a thousand years before the prequels, I think you would have had a vast amount of people just drop their jaw and be like, yes, yep. yes. Mm. Yeah, the only thing I can figure is that that is what those uh, the Game of Thrones guys were doing, was going back uh, that much further. And they were just trying to give them a wide berth. That was sort That's of the only thing rumor, I can right? figure. Yeah. Um, well, lastly here. How important do you think this is to Lucasfilm? Like, do you think they are banking on this being successful enough that they can propel it upwards to Disney Plus or even the big screen? Or are is this just going to be something for readers to digest over the next couple of years while we wait for the movies to come back? What do you think, Nathan? Well, I want it to be that. I want it to be something that has the potential to um, make its way into larger forms of, uh, you know, quote-unquote more important ty- uh, types of media. But I just I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I mean, I was thinking about this today. I mean, we hardly touched on the Nile, but imagine, I mean, they're Mad Max in space. Imagine Taika Waititi... <laughs> doing Mad Max and Star Wars. <laughs> Imagine n- the Nile in the hands of Taika Waititi. Like yeah. just just that misfit Motley Crew look to these guys with the the eccentricities and zaniness of Taika yep. Waititi. They would be completely wild characters. Listen, there's a there's a Nile that's a that's a Gungan, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. Give give that to Taika Waititi, and you're gonna get gold. Oh man, oh, that would just be. Oh my god, I I can't even wrap my head around right. how crazy that would be. And I want that to be a thing, but I just I can't let myself get my hopes up. 
Yeah. What do, what do you think, Marie? Is this something that they really want to be a bigger deal? Or is this just for us readers? Well, the way that they teased it for so long, you'd think with the whole Project Luminous thing, you would think that they really, really wanted everybody to get excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like maybe they're hoping that it'll lead to something bigger, quote, bigger. I agree. I think, you know, we've seen concept art and we know they got some of the heavy hitters from Lucasfilm yeah. to work on this stuff. You don't have mm-hmm. to do that. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> I mean, it's great to know what these places and vehicles and people look like, but you don't need to know. I mean, you don't have to get your heavy hitters out for this, do you? I, 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 right. Unless there is a hope that this thing will be successful enough to merit a larger treatment at some point. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. So, but then again, if they do that, like if we get two years of books here or whatever it is, and those of us who read the books will digest it. And we go into these, if they make it a Disney plus show or a movie, there'll be a bunch of us with a base level of knowledge. And then a bunch of people who know nothing (laughs) <laughs> and and then what do you do? You have to you you have to bring those people up to speed because not everybody's going to listen to us, unfortunately. <laughs> so there's going to have to be another sort of uh, table setting on a, in a show or in a movie about stuff that we've al- already know. So I don't I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle this, but I'm I am convinced yeah. that they want this to be something bigger than just books. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what you're saying about people will go into it not knowing anything. It's kind of like Maul in Solo, where mm. people sat there and watched that and were like, wait, what? I thought he was dead. Yeah. And it's uh-huh. like, but if you watch the Clone Wars, then you would know. <laughs> so <laughs> Snooze, you lose. Like, yeah, so it's the same sort of thing where, like, if you watched The Clone Wars, you knew all about it. And when you saw that reveal, you were like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. So, but if you didn't, you were like, huh? So it's the same kind of thing. But I, as I always am, I'm all for, I always, I do my Canon Connections panel at cons. And I'm like, go read the books, people. Go read the books. <laughs> yeah. Reading is good for you. <laughs> well and that, and that's just it like there's there's all kinds of reasons why people don't get into the book whether it's you know it's, it's $30 a pop for a book sometimes more like it's for us like Charles Soule book is 40 bucks you know it's it's not an insignificant piece of money and not to mention the time not including people like Rick and Marie who read these things in an afternoon <laughs> but for everybody yeah, else your value your value for your money is even less <laughs> <laughs> well I have converted to kindle books now so i'm trying to pay less because i was spending loads of money on star wars books every month Mm. so i still get the reference books and uh young reader books hardback and paperback but the novels i get on kindle that's fair. I mean, they're bombarding us. And really, when you think about what's coming, 
you're just starting with this era now with Queen's Peril and Shadowfall now out. And Thrawn has been moved a little bit up in the schedule. So that's coming this later this summer. And then once we get past Christmas, we're going to be licking our wounds with credit card bills. And <laughs> here comes the High Republic to punch yeah, us I, all in the I, face. For the life of me, I can't figure out why they pushed it back. I don't get it. I don't know. Like, they knew that Celebration was going to be canceled anyway. Then celebration wasn't going to be in January, <laughs> so I, I don't understand why they just didn't leave it in August. I don't. I can only imagine that enough of their printing capacity was derailed during the pandemic that they couldn't meet the dates. Yeah, but I mean that stuff happens so far in advance, you know. I. Uh... I, I don't know. Like, I, I hope it's that because like, I think Rick and I talked about this. If it's a story reason why that was pushed back, big gulp. Yeah. Like, uh oh, <laughs> if at this point they're right. pushing it back because things need to be redone. Oh, man. Get your rosary beads out, everybody. It's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, it's time to say a prayer because if if it's another instance of Lucasfilm not having their story straight, we're doomed. <laughs> or maybe or maybe it is tied to the Taika Waititi announcement. <laughs> That'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, maybe a little, a little shoehorning there. No, no, I'm not doing that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I just, you know, with Charles Soule's book, as like I think the flagship air quotes to kind of kick off this era, I got to imagine this book ends on a huge cliffhanger to propel us into Claudia Gray's book or the Kevin Scott Marvel series, whatever comes next somewhere along the way, there's going to be that huge cliffhanger or the thing that points you in the direction of the next story that you have to read. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's going to be a synergy in these stories that we've not yet seen in star Wars that mm -hmm. it'll be almost, you can't miss. Well, hopefully. That just sounds fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to have um, some long-term vision. Yeah. Like, know? I hope there's a because, big ambition for this. Yeah. I mean, so far, I mean, even the connections we've had, uh, like, you think of, uh, um, what is it? Resistance Reborn. Is that, is that the one? Resistance Reborn? Yeah. The yeah, novel that came like, out. Yeah. I mean, like crazy. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of those were obviously afterthoughts. You know, the, I mean, none of that stuff was planned ahead of time. She was drawing from stuff, you know, from five years prior that, you know, they had no, obviously had no idea where any of it was going. And that's, that's how a lot of, a lot of even the things with connections feel is that they're, they're done in chunks. So, you know, you have the, the Operation Cinder um, connections. They all came out, you know, around 2017, around then. Well, yeah. I mean, between, you know, we you had the, you had Shattered Empire, and then you had yeah. the Aftermath novels, and then you had Battlefront 2. But they were all being developed and written at the same time. So you had that chunk that was connected. But outside of that, the, the connections are very you know, um, minor. 
Um, but that's how it feels. So it'll be nice to have something that's that's you know long term, that has a plan, that is um, has vision. <laughs> yeah, long term vision. There's, I, there, there, I really hope there's a long term vision. I hope there's a a point to this. I hope it's just not this random collection of six to eight stories that tell a, a closed off tale in Star Wars that is inconsequential. Yeah. You know, not to say there's not no value in that to just tell a story within the Star Wars galaxy, but I hope that there's, there's something to it that informs like the the things. And and really what I'm talking about is like the prequels, like set us up for the prequels with this to some Mm -hmm. level. I mean, I don't know how, like if there's a projected timeline for this, like it starts 200 years before, is it going to end 195 years before? Or will it carry us through to like, you know, right up to the prequel era? You know, where how far is it going to take us? I don't know, but paint like connect some of those dots. Show us how the prequel era came to be, or set us up so that we can connect the dots ourselves. You know, leave us leave it in a place where we can draw our own conclusions as to, you know, how how A got to B. Yeah, you know, like don't t- don't show us the Skywalker. Show us, you know, how the Skywalkers probably ended up on on Tatooine. You know, don't don't show us this. Show us how. Um, show us the circumstances of how it could have happened. Don't get, don't get too specific with it. That's that's my that's my wish. <laughs> That's yeah. funny because I'm very, if I saw the, like with Rogue One, how it led up directly to A New Hope, I was like the whole time I was like freaking out in the seat. Oh my God, it's going to lead it right up to the movie. It's going to lead right up to the movie. Ah! And I was like, this is so good. So yeah. like, that's, that's me. Like if, if they had a Skywalker in there, I would be like what oh my god this is amazing <laughs> but that's just that that's how i roll <laughs> but i you know yeah. something i would be all in for like if they and we can we can imagine that they've already planted seeds in canon like we've seen it we've seen in uh rise of kylo ren number one or two where they specifically say the words high republic yeah yeah and, you know i i was guessing before but just in thinking of the Jedi already being subverted in this High Republic era, you can, and again, it, Kevin Scott, maybe it links up directly with Dooku Jedi Lost, and some of those, and you can see where a, Je- a Jedi like Dooku could easily fall because of things that would have informed him coming out of the High Republic era. So maybe there's nothing on the screen, like in the prequels or Clone Wars, that directly references the high republic but it's maybe the seeds are already there in in stories like jedi lost or the or rise of kylo ren etc etc like that stuff could already be there and maybe those were all the the high fives and handshakes happen yeah mm-hmm. sure. but i'm i'm ex- again i'm trepidatious for this but i'm still really excited because it, <laughs> it's new star wars it's new names new circumstances and 
they've at least got me to start off. Like I'm, I'm definitely going to be all over this first run of books. And for I, sure, I, I know I speak for both of you that you're going to be in as well. Uh, some mm-hmm. fake fans, Rick, are also going to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, like it's for, for, for those of you out there, and, and even those who didn't reply to to our question, like to our powerful friends, if you're not interested in this, like what would like could anything get you in, in, interested in this, or is it just something you're not going to touch? Period. And I, I I'd be curious to know what it would take to get you in, or you know if if you can't get involved with it, like what's keeping you out. Um, so yeah, let us know. Definitely let us know what what would keep you away from this. Uh, but I think guys, just like that, two hours and 20 minutes, it like, yeah. it felt like <laughs> we, we've been going for a while. It, this podcast has blown by for me, Yep. <laughs> but, uh, I think we've, we've come to the end. <laughs> we, we have squeezed all the juice from the lemon for this week. We have uh, shot her bolt. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that is going to do it for this week. Nathan Marie, thank you both so much. This was such a blast. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. for inviting me on. The the door is open. Anytime you want to <laughs> jump on to these uh you know our, our monthly book pod, you are absolutely welcome to come fill a seat here. Mm. Um and that, but that's gonna do it for this week, everybody. If you want to be a part of the podcast, send your questions, your thoughts to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. Uh if you want to help us out, there are so many ways in which you can do that. Subscribe to the podcast, uh, share it with your friends, leave us a review. Check us out on Patreon at tumbling saber at patreon.com slash tumbling saber um, and all that good stuff. There's so many ways to to help grow the show. Shout out to Rob Wade from Emotionally 14 and Talk Star Wars for endorsing this episode of the podcast and all episodes of Tumbling Saber over at emotionally14.com. And also be sure to check out our pals at the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. You'd think it's a low time in Star Wars. You'd think. And yet, and yet, our pals, our podcasting brethren are still turning the machine, cranking out the Star Wars sausage, and finding new things to talk about every week. There's still so much to discuss. It's so much fun. Check it out. You can find Star Wars Commonwealth on Facebook, on Twitter, and you can also look it up on Apple Podcasts as a podcast provider. (laughs) And so all that out of the way, Marie, where can people find you and your wonderful blog out there on social media? Well, you can find me at Alia Morgane on Twitter, and my review blog is thestarwarsreview.blogspot.com, and I do have a very extensive, detailed review of Queen's Peril, and I love that book, so you should go check out that review. Awesome. Nathan? Uh, I'm at NAF Roberts on Twitter. And uh, I hang out in the, uh, what is it? The comfy, cozy, <laughs> <laughs> tumbling saber Facebook group. <laughs> and that you do. And, you know, we try to keep the uh, the tone light in there. We have some fun. We make fun of each other. We make fun of the news that's going on. It's a good time in the group. Come check it out. Um, otherwise, you can find me at Tumbling Saber on Twitter and on Instagram. Would love to connect with you there. Uh, And that is going to do it. So 
Uh, everybody, thank you so much for sticking with us for almost two and a half hours. I've had so much fun. Hope you learned something. Hope you had some fun and got a few laughs. Uh, let us know how we did. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon in the next episode of the Tumbling Saver podcast. Have a great week, everybody. And may the force be with you. Static draws me closer to your place Willing me through my dreams fall away Signs blindly to the lines on your face Beating strong Drifting And I relive this dream Over And over And over Again Please don't leave my heart broken Bleeding Don't believe it breathing if only to see you next to me sleeping soundly smiling not really this dream over and over
running away.